1: It's a pleasure, and it's great to meet you. Um you Yeah, you got a book out and all that good stuff, and we're we'll going to get into that. But uh, why don't you go ahead? Like I told you, I don't want to do introductions. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I don't feel authentic. So give everyone at least a little small digest version of uh, of yourself and your background, real quick. How about you that?
2: Mean, you don't like to read off bios?
1: No, I just feel like it's just not very like, personal. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm not a talk show host. You know, I'm not a late night person. I'm just, you know, and what can. I, yeah. I- Yeah, you know, it's just that's not a podcast to me, you know, so I just figured it's better than you if you do it.
2: Yeah, so my name is Christine Handy. I am a mother of two sons who are 23 and 21 They keep me super busy, maybe more busy than my job. Um, I am a bestselling author of the book Walk Beside Me. I'm a motivational speaker. I am on the board of two nonprofits, one called eBeauty and one called People of Purpose. I am also a model. I've been a model for 40 years. I just did New York Fashion Week last weekend, and I'm still exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm, I am i guess I would be considered an influencer because I have amazing brands that sponsor me on social media platforms. That's
1: always a good thing.
2: Yeah. Um, so those are a few. Oh, and I'm, I also go to Harvard. I'm getting my master's degree in literature and creative writing. So I have a few hats that I wear.
1: Oh, well. No big deal, huh? No big
2: deal. I have I have no social life.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I got a bunch of questions coming up on that, so let's uh, let's go back a little bit. So you said you were in the model, or you are in the model industry for forty plus years. Forty. years.
2: 40 years. Yep. This year is forty years. Yes, yeah, so
1: I started when I was eleven. Yeah. So what got you started on down that road?
2: Um, I think that you, as a well, you know, going back forty years ago, I was told I was you know, at a young age, very, very pretty, such a pretty girl, such a pretty little girl. You should get her into pageants or modeling. And sure. and so that seemed like the right path for me. And I wanted to, I was an independent kid and I wanted to work. And so I started to model and uh, it, and anyway, I just went to college and ended up modeling after college and modeled after I had my kids and modeled after I had chemotherapy and mod, still modeling today. So after all of the kind of hurdles in my life or, pit stops in my life I went back to modeling
1: you know I I had somebody on maybe two three weeks ago now that was also a model and she's uh she was a lot younger and she's out of it now but she she like for a better word shit all over the modeling industry she um didn't have a great experience it was like a yeah 60 40 experience she did have great times but also it kind of played a lot with her mental health and her emotional health and uh, yeah. I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. No, I'm have- having about- okay, cool. Did you, I mean, did you, or do you, did you have any experiences like that? It was just you no know, goods and uh, bads. And
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's true of a lot of industries, but when you're in an industry that's completely dependent on what you look like, yes, that your, your self-esteem can get shredded in that industry. Now you have to develop pretty thick skin. Uh, f- for me, I didn't have thick skin going into it, so it did. You know, challenged me in many ways. I had an eating disorder for many years, which I was ultimately hospitalized for when I was 21, and kicked it. It didn't continue that, but I would say that contributed to the eating disorder. But I also have to take responsibility that it was something within me. It wasn't just the industry. Nobody was forcing me um, to starve myself. Right? That was my. That was my doing. And so but when you're up against when you're when your main job is competition all the time, that can mess with you emotionally. And so indicative of the industry, there's a lot of mental health juggling that has to take place. Gymnastics, so to speak. And I at this stage of my life, I have a concave chest because of breast cancer and I have scars pretty much most of my body for other reasons. And I just. I don't have a self-esteem issue anymore. You either you like me or you don't take it or leave it, doesn't matter. And I think that attitude, that kind of like unstoppable mentality, that self-esteem, that source of self-love that comes with inside of me, it just makes me more appealing, I think, to the modeling industry and other industries right now, because I'm kind of a force and it comes from inside, not what, not obviously from the external beauty, because it's changed dramatically. And so the reason I think that they used me during breast cancer well used me during new york fashion week was because i have a story and they're looking for people who have stories to walk the runway right it's it's an it's newsworthy so you put a 51 year old woman on you know that can walk right i've been a model for a long time and i can do it you know on the runway and it's a story
1: well, how did you create that mentality? I mean, is that something just learning from experience and just sitting back and reflecting and just saying, hey, let's either beat this shit or let it you know, get ahead nope. of me? I mean, is yeah. that what it was?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely beat me for a long time in different stages of my life. It beat me for a while in the modeling industry. I was hospitalized for an eating disorder. It beat me in my health, right? I was diagnosed with cancer. I've had two, three other major health issues. But in the end, I didn't let it beat me. Because, you know, I I stopped meditating on just the outcome. I stopped meditating on the trauma and I started to meditate on how can I show courage? How can I lead in this terrible situation? And so that became kind of my mantra. And so even now, you know, I get on, I do a lot of interviews because I want to teach people like what not to do. And, And I think when we're pushed to the fire in our life, that's when we really figure out what we're made of. Yeah. And for me, and for me, I figured out it was made of fire. I mean, just unstoppable fire.
1: I love it. When were you uh, diagnosed with uh, breast cancer? Uh,
2: 2012.
1: So that's 10 years ago.
2: years ago. Yeah. And, but I went through a lot of chemotherapy. I had no hair. I had, I mean, I was really, really very sick. There were many days I wasn't sure I was going to wake up the next day.
1: Does that, does breast cancer run in your family or was this just kind of sporadic how it came about or what?
2: Yeah, does not run in my family. I have no breast cancer genes. It just came, well, who knows? They don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's always new research coming out each day about it. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I mean, but so, I mean, how how was that part of your life, you know, before, I mean, you know, being 40 plus years and 10 years ago coming up with breast cancer? I mean, how did that impact your life?
2: Or, I think that the 40 years prior to breast cancer were much more challenging because I was super insecure and uncertain of who I was and kind of lost. Yeah. And so once you're, you know, once I went through chemotherapy and had a lot of time to think about who I was and what I had, how I had lived my life, I came out of it going, gosh, I sure don't want to live like that anymore. And I, and I just filled my time in my life with different things. I went on boards of charities and, I went to, you know, I I decided that I was going to use my, my story as a resource for other people and show how not to do it. And, you know, it's very vulnerable. It's not easy to do. And you get criticized for it, right? If you share like the deep, dark and the ugly, like in my book, there's critics out there, but I, I didn't really care about the critics anymore. There were too many people that I could help by showing them what not to do, how not to, how not to idolize materialism and idolize things of this world you know because when we get go down that road it's so depleting and you can't it's not sustainable
1: no not at all i mean you know i think a lot of society now does pride itself on materialistic things and it's almost a status saying of course yeah being successful in life you know um yeah i forgot who said it that you know um but I was heard it, read it. I can't remember but they said. Once you get a Rolex, you know, that means you, you've been a successful in your life. Like, eh, yeah,
3: you've yeah. made
2: it. Yeah. And they've
1: got their own definition of success.
2: Everybody has their own definition. Listen, I, when I was walking, oh, this is a perfect example. And I want to post this on some sort of social media. When I was walking in New York fashion last week in New York shows, which by the way is like the epicenter, right? If you're a model, like that's yeah. you want to, you want to get to that point. And I never got to that point in my younger years modeling. But when I, when they, when the designer sent everybody to go for a break, I was walking down that runway back and forth. Every, every minute they were on a break, I was still working. And, and because I want to be the, the hardest worker in the room because there's so much that we can do. There's so many things that we can accomplish. There's so many people we can inspire.
3: Yeah. But if
2: we just go into it, like, eh, this'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. It's work. It's, it's meant to lead and inspire people.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Just like you said, like, you know, you want to be the hardest worker in the room. And that's talking about success and everything. I've always thought that just showing up and just that's half the battle and actually just putting in some type of effort is what success is made of. You know, some people just seem to hit the brick wall and then like, well, I tried, you know, hell with it, moving on. And then you know they have complaints about themselves and regrets that's why i never made it so, well you may have not actually done the work completely and, and i can speak to that because there were some points in my life where i hit a brick wall and was just all right fuck it you know we'll move yeah. on yeah and then i regret it now but but
2: see, i think those failures teach us how to live a different life
1: mm-hmm. if you
2: didn't have that failure you may not be in the position you're in today
1: i agree yeah uh, you know, I learned a lot from my mistakes in the past. And it's like, all right, let's change these things. And I recently, well, this has probably been six months plus four or ago, but I read Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights book and right. it was talking about, you know, opportunities that actually show up to you. And it's either you can either walk through the door or just say, all right, this thing, no, nah, I'm good. I'll just keep staying at the same road I am. But it's like it goes, something's going off in my brain That's It's like, hey, you got a chance here. You can either yeah. or do something with it. But yeah.
2: What's that degree behind you? What's that on your wall?
1: Oh, so uh that's my master's degree in sports management from that one. And then what above it's my bachelor's in physical education. So
2: Been a lot.
1: Yeah. So, you know, when you said you were going to Harvard getting your master's like, oh, okay. Hello. And then, yeah, that was part of my thing is that, uh, speaking of, I, I guess you can say success or whatever, but, um, when I was graduating from my bachelor's, I had no idea what I was still going to do. You know, I was still trying to figure out, you know, do I want to be a teacher? I tried, but I could never get the job. All my friends were moving and I was just literally sitting at the house. I don't know what to do. I can't get a job. And this was back in 2009. So right around the recession, but uh, I was like, well, I'll just go back to school and get a master's and maybe that'll progress me further into the job market, make me more, you know, exciting or to look at on paper. But uh, (laughs) yeah, now I don't even use it, but I have it. So I guess that's one good thing. And like, and I heard a story or not a story, but a statistic that, you know, ten percent of people have their masters. I don't know how true that is, but that was way back. Well, this will set me apart from everybody else. So, now well, almost yeah. Know,
2: I think it's. I mean, for me, I love to learn, mm-hmm. and so the more I learn, the more opportunities are, I think, put in front of us. Right?
3: Because yeah. we
2: we know more. Yeah. So I think not. I think knowledge is power. And 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 to go back with with what you were talking about when people quit. I think the beginning and the end is so easy, right? It's the beginning of something. It's exciting. The end is like success. Well, it's the middle where people, the people that stick it out in the middle, those are the ones that become successful, but 80% of all people quit in the middle. Ooh! So just by keep going, you're you, you have a 20% of succeeding. So.
1: Yeah, I guess. I've never really thought of that way, just because in the beginning, it's usually pretty hard and whatever, but you never really see what's going on in towards the middle. And then everyone sees your end results, you know, famous people or whatever. Yes. Like, yeah. And they probably, yeah. yeah. You know, and some people will just blame it on, oh, well, they just got that way because they were born with great genetics or they got exactly. lucky. And and luck might, you know, I've heard some people talk about their success and luck does might play a part in it, but a lot of it is just what you said, uh, yeah. going through the middle of it and doing a hard work and everything.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. But I, I I love to see um people talk about well, especially in social media where people will go, "Oh, well they just had such and such as a privilege." And I go, "Yeah, right." <laughs> people have to work really hard.
1: So, uh, why did you decide to go back and get your masters at this stage in your life?
2: Um, well, when I went through chemotherapy, I had but- a major chemo brain afterwards, and I was very had a very mm, sadly low short 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 term memory and then also difficulty with language skills and it really messes with your brain and so when I went back to school I decided that listen I can play cards I can do board games I can do crossword puzzles but what if I went to school like wouldn't that kind of knock it out and and so it did it has I've been in the program for two years and I have about a year and a half left and my chemo brain is completely gone and my language skills are so much better than they ever were and I'm learning so much and I have this like thirst for learning at this stage of my life.
1: What is the uh, the plan afterwards? When you um, Or is there one? Just to- <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I, I always kind of have a plan, but it, it can move in different directions. I did write a book. It's called Walk Beside Me. It's a national bestseller and actually being made into a film. And I did write a second book after that book, but I've never published a second book. It's the continuation of my first book. It's like a sequel, but it's a very different book. And so when I went to Harvard to get my master's degree, I was like, well, I want to become a better writer. And so I keep kind of critiquing and editing the second book that I have not published with the learning that I'm going through right now. And so I think I'm going to use that book as my thesis at the end of the master's program.
1: Ooh, you're doing a the thesis part of it. I have to. Yeah, well, <laughs> with mine, I had two different tracks. You could either write a thesis, in which I really wish I would have done now because you know, I had no desire to get my Ph.D. at the time, but I did an internship program where you actually go into an athletics uh, department.
3: Oh, Amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I want to do that. You know, that'll, that's, you know, because that, that's what I thought at the time I wanted to do with my life. And so I said, like, I don't need a the thesis. But now I wish I would have kept that on the back burner and just said I did it. In this case, I wanted to be what you're doing, actually go back and
2: you can always go back.
1: Well, I've thought about that. And then a lot of other different things come up in my head or in my, in my mind. It's like, is it really going to help me? Do I really need it? But, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I've, I keep it on back burning.
2: I think our brains always need to learn.
1: Always. I agree. Yeah. If you're not learning, you're not growing. And that's one thing I actually <laughs> learned in my life was that leaving, I guess, college and stuff is like, hey, man. You know, stop being an idiot and actually sit down and do the work. Learn new things. You know, keep
3: Good for
1: you. Prising yourself. Yeah, I mean, you know, it took a while to learn it, but uh, that's part of the reason why I guess I started this podcast too. But, um, yeah, it's okay. Like, hey, you just can't keep doing the same shit. You can just get the same results.
2: You can, <laughs> but it doesn't get you very far, and no, a lot don't. of people do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look at the society and look at, and they turn on Bravo TV or they turn on E Entertainment. They're like. Well, how did they get that, or how did they, you know, they were just in the right place at the right time? No. <laughs> what
1: I mean, did you develop? Did you develop any different habits, skills that you know to set you apart from everybody? And what were? They? I
2: work harder than anybody I know. It's just that. I. That's it. And every day, and 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 also, I'm also. Aligned, everything that I everything that I'm doing right now is aligned with what I want to do. What I mean by that is I want to serve, I want to lead, and I want to inspire other people with my story.
3: Yeah.
2: So I'm on the board of nonprofits. Why to serve? I go to I go to school. Why to learn in order to write better in order to serve better. Mm-hmm. I I'm I'm a social media influencer. Why? Because I'm talking about my story. I'm a very vulnerable social media influencer. I'm not out there with like a perfect picture going, oh, this is a paid ad. And look how cute this purse is. That's not what I do. (laughs) I serve, I lead and inspire in every single walk of my life. And so, and I put myself in that position. So when I was finished with chemotherapy, I said to myself, what do you want to do? I want to serve. Well, how does that look? I don't know. So I decided that every position that I was going to put myself in, whether it was with work or relationally or in this, in this world, like physically, I was going to set myself up to serve. And, and I had to figure out a way to make money doing it. Right. And so I was like, Okay, well, I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to share my story and and see how that goes. And so now, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, I'm working in some capacity for one of those different things. And it's all about serving and I get to go to bed feeling so good at night, because I've helped other people like who wouldn't sign up for that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, inspiring other people. I mean, it makes a, it gives you a great feeling inside. I mean, yeah. what, what is a day in a life? You know, you said you, you're you're waking up and going to bed like that. What does a day in a life of yourself look like? I mean uh,
2: that's a good idea. Okay. Well, I
1: nowadays a little sleep and
2: yeah, well, okay, since <laughs> since since New York Fashion Week, I've slept a little bit more because there was not a lot of sleeping going on there. Yeah. But I you know i i po- okay so i get up in the morning and i try to post on some capacity whether it's on linkedin or instagram or facebook or one of them and but i have people that help me do that and then i go for some sort of exercise whether it's walking or it's usually walking but i have a fused arm and so i wear a um i wear a contraption so that when i'm walking it doesn't hurt my arm and i have two phones so i'm either talking on one of them and i'm responding on another one because because i'm busy Sure. And so, so even when I'm walking, I'm working and then I, you know, come back, I shower, I get ready for the day. And I'm either being interviewed or I've got to talk to my manager or, or I, I speak for, I have, I'm, I work for five different speaking agencies. So one of them usually has me booked on something or I'm talking to my modeling agency saying, well, you should pitch me for Paris fashion week. Cause now that New York's over, we can impact, make an impact there. And I'm talking to the producers of the film. And so it's, and then, you know, by, five o'clock, I'm sitting on my porch and on my computer and responding to emails and having some dinner and I get in bed early and I get up early. So, you know, I, again, I don't have much of a social life because I feel like I can make an impact in this world. And I'm just so focused on that right now. The social life will come later.
1: I I agree. Have you ever heard, uh, you know, like you were saying, like while you're exercising, you are actually working. And, uh, there's a thing that you know if you have a problem people say you should sleep on it well there's actually one that also said well you actually should walk on it too oh, uh, I love yeah, that. yeah so if you go walking and actually get your brain firing and actually yes. maybe take a little bit off your uh brain at that point it will actually come to you kind of like when you should sleep on it. it comes later
3: yeah uh,
1: it's kind of you know okay. like during my workouts like i usually if i have problems at work or whatever it's like something will spark or say hey why not do that but yeah i just uh thought wonder if you'd ever heard that before
2: that's a good idea. You know, when I don't, when I kind of turn off everything when I'm walking, I do, I am filled with more creativity. Yeah. So you're right. That's probably something I should do. Where, what do you do to work out?
1: Um, I'm one of them CrossFit guys.
2: Okay. That's hard work.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I fell in love with it probably eight years ago and that's just, awesome. just kept the party going. So, I mean, it, it, you know, I told somebody one day, it just, it made sense to me. Um, just, it about, make sense. Well, for me, just because you know, after leaving college and stuff, I needed something to keep me competitive and keep me in shape because I always loved working out and the fitness part of it and all that. But it like brought the best of all the worlds. Like you could still make friends; it's a social aspect of it. You know, I could stay in shape, and it was still you know, one of these mentally and physically brutal workouts. And it never, yeah. I never experienced anything like that. And plus, you know, I worked out with a lot of uh, police at uh, at my gym and some other. Police yeah and so it's just like you know i obviously i'm not doing the same thing that they are doing their jobs but it's like hey man we're kind of going through hell together on this tough workout and kind of you know so uh yeah camaraderie aspect of it for me yeah yeah and i've made a lot of great friends out of it so i just kept it going and i started competing in it and yeah then i went and got certified in it and saw a coach on the side and
3: that's amazing
1: so good for you yeah so uh where do you live uh virginia okay um you know where Virginia tech is?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm literally like 20 minutes from there. Nice. So that part of Virginia.
2: So people up there still respect the police. I hope.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs)
3: Here
2: in uh, Miami they do here in Miami. They do.
1: It's better now. So if you, when at first, you know, the black Lives movement started and it was getting big and George Floyd, it was from what, what some of the officers told me it was pretty rough for him right there, but it seems to have calmed down some in this area. Um, yeah. yeah, so I would say for the most part, yeah, it wasn't, we didn't have to deal in my area with what other cities were doing, so.
2: Yeah, like Chicago.
1: Yeah, like Chicago, Baltimore, all that. Um, Char- I'm pretty close to Charlotte, and I, I don't know how much trouble they had down there, but. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. not, to, not to go on a political soapbox here, but.
2: No, 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 that's that's not political. It's just, uh, you know, it's uh, caring about other people.
1: But, but, yeah, well, that's usually what I do to try to keep my fitness up and everything. So um and it's taught me a lot too as far as you know nutrition and you know helping others with their goals and you know what the body likes and doesn't like and what works for me and not everyone else. So keep learning. I think
2: think that's one of the most important things we've all learned during COVID and the lockdown is that we do need each other. Mm -hmm. And companionship and camaraderie and people cheering each other on and people being there for each other, not just in a screen but physically. Yeah. Is is one of the most important things that we can offer each other.
1: Well, you know, the world got gotten such a, you know, I forgot what movie it says, but they say a big damn rush. I think it was Saul and Redemption. But he says, yeah. you know, and during the when the pandemic hit, everything came to a halt and everyone got to sit down, especially me. I'm just I can I can talk personally to this and like sit back and you know reflect, yeah. think about, you know, uh, hey, where's my life going? Did I just go the way I want it to? I mean, you know, a lot of us get down, and I'm generally speaking, of course, go down this road and we fall into something. We don't ask a lot of questions and we that's keep, right. you know, and we, yeah, we don't say we're going to be here. You know, I'm not going to do this forever. And then you don't, you know, like I said, you don't ask questions. And 10 years later, 15 years later, you're still going down that road and finally you can stop and think, Oh, wait, was this what I set out to do or not?
3: Right.
2: Yeah. That's so true. And
1: that was a big part of, for me. So
2: yeah, that was a pause. it was almost like a pause. Everybody took a pause
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and, and it could it could have been a time for introspection, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Or fear, or panic.
1: Yeah. Or all of it. Yeah, it could have been yeah. whatever you wanted it to be. Ah, exactly. um,
3: oh, kind you know, of. Yeah.
1: Well, I think in the first part it was fear, and I mean I'm not downgrading or speaking bad about the pandemic at all, but I think it, yeah, it began,
3: well, you, you don't have choice. You,
1: yeah, it was fear. You, you and nobody, yeah, nobody knew anything like this. Nobody knew what was going on, and then now it's you know i i I work on a college campus i'm working higher ed and there's some colleges or some students are like oh it's just covid whatever we don't care you know and not it's like people stop taking it serious so right it's just like hey it's just covid it's not a big deal we don't it's like yeah well it kind of is a big deal You no know, it's just and you know because they were having covid parties and stuff just uh
2: so just to get it
1: just to get it and because they didn't care you know because you know if you look at the statistics and stuff like oh we're pretty healthy we're fine is this gonna be a bad cold especially the newest version omnicron or whatever now i'm not <laughs> advocating for it by any means and saying that was great but i'm just saying that was what was kind of going around did you ever get it uh, knock on wood, I have not got it yet. Um, I, I, should, I guess I should say yet, but I was exposed twice and tests came back negative. So I could have been asymptomatic. I don't know, but, um, I am vaccinated and all that and vaccinated. So, but, um, as far as I know, I haven't got it.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Well, same. Haven't gotten it. We'll really? See. really? No, no. And I travel, I mean, I've been traveling since, well, like May of 2020.
1: I'm on the road. That's impressive. If you've been traveling that much and you still haven't gotten it.
2: Yeah. And I had another health issue when I was going, when in the May of, well, April, March, April and June of 2020, when the whole world was locked down, I was in and out of the hospital for a lot, a lot. And I was in that hospital, in a hospital gown with an IV on zoom, working, giving speeches, going to school, like my Harvard professor, I had a, had a speech or not a speech. I had a project that it was due. And I, I emailed her that morning and I said, you know what, I'm back in the hospital and I'm still ready to do my project, but you're going to see me in a hospital gown. And she was like, no, we can move you. And I said, no, there's no excuse. Like I've done the work. I'm prepared. I'm going to do it. So I just did everything from the hospital.
1: <laughs> I mean, just is being in that type of position, still working and doing all that stuff and just grinding man
2: but you know what here the mentality was like if i if i didn't i was going to lose hope i was lo- going to lose hope in myself i was going to lose hope in this world and i would just shrivel up and eventually die you have to keep going yeah and you have to keep your life as as normal as possible even in those moments and so for me i was like no bring it on i will continue to do this i didn't feel great but i was going to feel bad regardless if i did the harvard project or not you know I'm going to feel the same. So I just kept going. I just kept doing everything. And I literally did a speech in front of probably 500 people on zoom from the hospital bed. It's
1: impressive. You know, you just said that you were going to lose hope. I mean, this learning and your goals and you know, what you want to be at in life. Is that what gives you hope today?
2: Yes. It's funny. Somebody asked me that yesterday on social media, they said, are you, will you die without hope or will you die without faith? And I said, well,
1: damn, it's kind of deep.
2: I know I get a lot of that.
1: Oh,
2: I, I said, well, I think both actually, because I've been, in, everybody's been in situations where they feel like hopeless, yeah. and and it hasn't always been traumatic things that have happened necessarily to me, but maybe to my kid or something. Like when you're a mother and something happens to your kid, that's maybe more traumatic than anything. And so, when I have had moments of feeling hopeless, those are the moments that where I want to quit. I don't want to, but I don't want to move on in this life. But when you when you have hope, for me, I feel like there's nothing I can't
1: accomplish. Yeah, I agree 100 percent I mean, it's what gets but, you out of bed in the morning and keeps you going. Hope is
2: critical. Hope is critical. Yeah. And and I don't think you can be you can't depend on hope from other people. You have to have it from yourself.
1: No. Uh that's one thing is I've learned is that trying to depend on other people. And that yeah, you some most people have a small support group and everything, but I mean, I think it only gets you so far. It's still up to you. Like we're, we've been saying that to get through the rest yeah. of them.
2: You have to be your own cheerleader.
1: There you go. That's a good way to put it.
2: Honestly, God, I mean, I'm my biggest cheerleader. That's not pride. That's not ego. That's self survival. If I relied on this world to cheer me on, if I really relied on like social media to cheer me on, forget it. My, my self-esteem would be shattered every day. You know, some people are so dependent on likes and comments and things like that, man, if you count that as your measure, You're going to be very depleted. You're going to be very, live a very sad life.
1: Yeah. You know, I forgot where I was reading that, but they were talking about how people with mental health issues are dependent so much now on the social media and like, if they don't get X amount of likes, loves and stuff, it just... crushes them and, and i get it you know you, it's that, it's engineered to spark those little dopamine hits you know into our brains we're sitting there staring at our screens just we oh, gotta like gotta like gotta like they love me they love me And then when you don't yeah it just takes you down a dark road
2: yeah talk and, about yeah talk about modeling industry
1: <laughs> yeah you know and first it's a scary road um you know we've almost got you think we've gotten too dependent on technology
2: i do i mean but i'm you know i'm 51 so i'm in the older group But I do, I do, because I think human connection is critical. And if we're so dependent on the phone and the computer, then we have less human connection. And I think that's going to be, I think that's why our suicide rates are up. I think that's why our mental health, you know, rates are getting higher and higher. People are more dependent on medication. And I think that's why it's happening.
1: Yeah. I agree 100%. I mean, did you ever watch that documentary on Netflix? So- Social Dilemma? it was just basically just talking about exactly what you were just saying.
2: No, but I know I've heard about it. But I, I agree. I mean, I, when I was going through chemotherapy, my oncologist said to me, because you know, there was I had a port, and the physical pain was intense, right? Not just from the chemo drugs, but from surgery. So there was all this physical pain, like, and to negate that physical pain, My oncologist said, you need people to touch you, like rub your hands or rub your back. Or, you know, I didn't have any hair, but like, you know, touch your head or rub your feet because you have to negate physical pain with human touch, with not pleasure. That's not pleasure, but just like somebody, you know, caring about you. And I think that's true of everyday life. Like we're going to be, there's going to be arrows flying all over the place. We're going to be knocked around. Like that's life, but you have to have people yourself included, that negate that, right? Yeah. And I think that's another reason why self-esteem is so critical. You have to build up a really big self-esteem, self-awareness, self-love, self-care and figure out how to do that best for you. Like you probably do it in your workouts. You probably do it with that camaraderie. Yep. And that's, that's critical for you. Now take that away. And I'm telling you, your life will look different. But people just recognizing that, it's half the battle.
1: You know, you were just, I wanted to ask you to, we were talking about self-esteem and self-awareness and, uh, you know, you talk, man, I know this is not, I relate to you and by any means as far, but you know, when I lost my hair, did you lose your hair during chemo? I think you said that. Yeah. So I started losing my hair late twenties and there's this male pattern baldness. Uh, but you know, I, at that point in my life, I was like, Oh shit, you know, I'm 25, 26. I'm already losing my hair. I mean, and it kind of fucked me up, you know, well, I mean, not hard, but, um, but I was just, like, what do I do? You know, do I, I went to a doctor or the dermatologist and I was like, I don't want to be the guy like combing it over being the comb over guys. Like I still got it, you know? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, and he's like, yeah, you can either take Rogaine, take a pill or just embrace it. And cut it off. Yeah. And that's, that was my decision. And then, you know, and it worked for me, you know, and I felt, well, I feel like it did. <laughs> um, but I mean, was that tough for you at that time? And I also have somebody else close to my life that, Deals with alopecia, alopecia and um, yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, well, yeah. I think it's,
2: I think it's really hard for people. It was hard for me. It, you know, I felt like my hair was part of my identity. And when I lost my breasts, I felt the same way. And people who s- used to say to me, well, it's, it's no big deal. It's just hair. It's not your life. That's so dismissive. Right. Yeah. It doesn't make it feel better. Yeah. And unless you're the one going through it, you don't really know what it feels like. And so that's why I actually wanted to be a part of this charity called e-beauty. It's a wig exchange program. It's for for women who are going through treatment who don't have the resources to buy a wig when they are bald. And so we give them as a free resource. We have partnered with L'Oreal, who gives us grant money, and Paul Mitchell Salons, who wash and style our wigs for us. And then we ship them out to women who can't afford a wig. And it's been really an interesting process to be a part of because it's, again, it's for people who can't afford it. I could afford a wig and I was very lucky. For me, when I lost my hair, I wanted to wear a wig. Some people don't want to. It's personal preference. And my kids wanted me to look like their mom. My kids wanted me to have a blonde wig. And, And so being a part of that type of service or nonprofit has been very rewarding and interesting for me. So yeah, losing your hair is traumatic.
1: Yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, being in the model industry, like you said. I mean
2: Yeah. No, I was very much dependent when I was diagnosed with cancer on my external value. And when that was taken away, I had a really hard time figuring out who I was inside. It took me quite a while.
1: Well, I mean, I love I mean, that's what you've been saying. I mean, I love how you developed this self-awareness and you figured it out and you've overcome it so i mean i love good or great underdog stories you know yeah you know watching a movie or the book and the guy gets the girl at the end of it or (laughs) uh, yeah i just love those types of stories you know just because yeah you know it's like you almost think that this you could hit this dark path in your road and you just give up but if you keep pushing through good things
2: up or do things that force you to give up right i mean despair is its own illness in a way i've seen women who've gone through you know, half of what I went through and they chose despair to some extent. I think part of it is a choice and they just never came out of it. Mm. And that's really sad. That's tragic.
1: That's very tragic.
2: Yeah.
1: Damn. I don't even know what to say to that. Just because, <laughs> I mean,
2: I mean, I think you can just use it as a learning tool. Like everything is a choice. Your reaction is a choice. Your reaction to your hair loss was a choice. Yeah, could have like had this terrible self-esteem and said to yourself, you know, I'm not worthy or pick pick an adjective, right? Instead, you said, I'm going to shave my head and look hot as shit. And Mm -hmm. if anybody doesn't think that, then that's too bad because it's not my problem. It's their problem, right? No. Those two are different choices.
1: They are but no i agree i mean because i you know when people when you said it's tragic people just kind of fall down and lay but you know because i've met other guys that are just like hey man how'd you do it and so you just you just fucking do it dude you just take a step at it Make but, a choice. but it's almost that it's just like yeah like you said make a choice but when people just they don't want to fight or they don't even want to try it's just like what why i mean what what do you got to lose you know I, mean, well, I
2: think that that you asked this question a while ago you said how did you know that you were a fighter or how did you know you um, know what were you always this courageous? And I think when you're pushed against a, a wall, you figure out who you what you're made of.
1: Yeah. Maybe just most people haven't been put in those positions yet in their life. And you know, then they haven't figured it out quite yet. So it takes certain life experiences to get you. there.
3: I agree. Yeah. In which
1: I haven't really I wouldn't say that just male pattern baldness is that and I'm not saying that by any means. But yeah, I mean you just gotta see where life throws at you then.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we'll yeah, just- see what choices you make. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so are you doing your uh I want to switch gears a little bit just because I was curious about Harvard and stuff I mean was that like a dream school to go to Harvard just because
2: you know it's it's interesting where my mindset was when I was applying to undergrad I didn't have this self-esteem and so I, I applied to several schools and I got into some of them and I ended up going to SMU which is a great university Southern Methodist yeah yeah but I would never have applied to like a Harvard. I would have never had the confidence to apply there. Same. And so after I was done with my chemo, I was like, well, I mean, I could die tomorrow. I could die in 10 years. I could die in 50 years. I don't know when, how long I have on this in this world. Yeah. So I'm going to go for everything that I didn't have the confidence to do before. So if I want to go to school, I'm going to the top. If they say no, who cares? Literally, who cares? Love it. And so that's what I did. And, and you know what? They took me. <laughs> and I have like the best grade. So they were smart to take me. <laughs>
1: they were. Um, so do you do it online? Or do you, because you said, did you say you were in Miami?
2: Uh, I'm in Miami. Yeah, I do it online now. I pre-COVID, we were supposed to be on campus five days a semester.
1: Okay. I,
2: and they're actually opening this summer. So I'll be doing a summer program there. And then when I do my thesis, I'll be on campus doing it. So it's kind of both.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. It's a beautiful campus. I went to Boston maybe a few years ago and kind of got to see it from a distance. And I was like, man, I wonder what it's like to actually discuss. So I wanted to go set foot on there, but I was like, ah, we had. <laughs> I was up there for a fitness conference. Well, actually a recreation conference, I guess you could say it. But
3: yeah. Good for you. You've yeah. done so much.
1: Well, not really. Um, I'm not even in recreation fitness anymore. I'm an IT now. So
2: <laughs> okay, but don't say not really, because that's like that's our self-talk is critical, right?
1: Well, yeah. Well
3: accomplished a lot.
1: Well, I try to be Thank you. confident, but not overly confident, <laughs> like confidence without arrogance, I guess.
2: You don't have any arrogance. But I try to
1: stay humble, work hard, stay humble. I, don't okay. Okay. I guess that's why I try to say things like that. It's like, Hey, you don't be an even keel. And sometimes when I think, or I think personally, like I'm very self-critical. So when I do these podcasts and stuff, I don't like to go back and listen back to anything of what I'm saying, because it's like, are oh, you idiot? Why'd you say that? That was stupid. You said that wrong. Good.
2: Yeah, that's terrible self-talk. Don't yeah, you?: it. Exactly.
1: So, uh, <laughs> and I know that. And that's the reason I try not to just keep myself on an even keel and not to try to boast or do anything wild and crazy out here. So
2: you're very good at this. You're very, very good.
1: Well, I don't know about very good, but- uh, Very good. I mean, no, I've been doing it a year. response
2: is thank you.
1: <laughs> thank, thank you. That's it. That's it. You are it. the best. You are the best. <laughs> um,
2: I know, I do. I think I, when I had, well, honestly, and this has nothing to do with you. When I was not at my greatest self-love, I would be like, people would say, oh, you, whatever, you did this or you did that. I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. But the truth was I did, but I wasn't able to accept it right? Yeah. We need to be able to accept it. People want to cheer you on. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Here's a good question. Speaking of that, can you be successful without an ego? Do you think?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Like I already knew the answer to that. So, but
2: I think that, I think you can be more successful and have more influence without an ego, because I don't think people are attracted to pride and ego. And I think that, if you let your pride and ego go, you can accomplish more because you're not afraid of the outcome. You're not afraid of somebody saying no, right? Yeah. If I had a bunch of pride and ego, I wouldn't have applied to Harvard because I'd be like, what if they don't take me? What if they say no? I can't handle that. What if I get a rejection letter? But if I if I have no pride and ego, I'm like, hey, I'm going to apply to Harvard. I'm going to apply to Stanford. I'm going to apply to Princeton. If they say no, who cares? You know what I mean?
1: I, I agree 100%. And, you know, I got a follow-up question, but and I kind of feel like I know the answer to that. But do you think people are scared to be successful, And generally speaking? I do.
2: I do. I think that for part of my life, I think when I was a young model, I was very, very afraid of success in the modeling industry. I would have never tried to be.
1: Why do you think that? Because I was insecure. Really?
2: Oh, So insecure.
1: Like being that young, being into the model industry, and you're still, and you were afraid of being success, successful.
2: I was, yeah, I was very afraid. I I didn't have the confidence to think that I could accomplish what I saw other people accomplishing. I would say, if I didn't get a job, I would say, of course they didn't pick me. Of course they picked her. I mean, that's just like, that's self-dismissive behavior. That's self-cutting in a way, right? Now, Now, if somebody, if I, well, I was in New York Fashion Week by four designers. There were other designers that didn't pick me. But the other designers that didn't pick me, it's not that I wasn't worthy of being picked. They just picked different people. It's not personal to me.
1: Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah.
2: So when you, when I was young and I, it, it was personal to me because it was wrapped up in pride and ego, I wouldn't have put myself in front of other brands necessarily. I would have said to my manager, to my booker in the modeling industry, oh, don't put my comp in front of that person. They're not going to want me. Right? Yeah. That's afraid of success.
1: Do you ever deal with imposter syndrome?
2: I used to, not anymore. Hmm. Never, not since I went through chemo. I understand it. I recognize it in people. I respect it because I've been there, but I don't do it. That's good. Yeah. It's great. I think you have to go through things in life in order to not care what people think of you, in order to build yourself into a place where I am. Unfortunately, if I went through a lot to get here. But I mean, people don't people don't push me around. They used to, not anymore.
1: Was that just because of being in a model industry and just, you know, in this and being a woman in the modeling industry? Because like I said earlier a few weeks ago, that's kind of what it was that, you know, the male alpha males would just usually try to take over and, oh yeah. You
2: know, yeah, that I was, happened. I was that happened. I
1: when I <laughs> that was, happened. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I just was pushed around by people in my life. And then when I was, you know obviously went through something like cancer where somebody said, oh, this is your chance of survival. You quickly decide who you're going to let push you around anymore. You know, your time is limited on this earth. You want to spend the rest of your life doing so. I mean, for me, I wanted to do something with my life. And I was not going to listen to those voices in my head anymore. I had to really get rid of a lot of people in my life.
1: Was it tough cutting out those toxic people in your life?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I always think about doing like that it's just, mm-hmm.
2: it is hard yeah. yeah it's hard on both sides yeah mm.
1: but you did it and that's
2: it takes a lot of bravery to do that i think yeah, yeah. a lot of courage
1: Yeah, that's great i mean i mean and yeah i mean it works you know some people just i feel like are afraid to do it because you know i think people like yeah. what you just said, just they're worried about what people will think of them and then worried about, oh, I might need this person later on down my road. And then what if they hurt? Whatever. But that's the reason they never make the change. And some people don't like change.
2: That's fear-based, too. Yeah. Fear. That's a lot of fear.
1: Do you think and- of the cultural narrative? Just that it's almost that, hey, I'll just take whatever life draws at me or with the cards that life gives me and just go with it and just never change just because of what we just said, I might go down a road that I don't want to be on, or I might go be an successful road. I don't want to be on either. And then, you know, I worry about being too successful and trying to stay at the top as much as I can. And that, yeah, I, think more
2: it's, on I think the two roots to that are self-esteem and fear. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of people have very low self-esteem and I think it's critical to build it up at men and women.
1: Do you do anything special? during? I do, day
2: I do things every day
1: to keep your self-esteem going up
2: every single day. I'm constantly taking inventory of what I'm listening to in my own brain, outside of my own brain like on my phone or on TV or on apps or on social media. I don't follow people that are like no no just no no offense to Kim Kardashian, I don't follow people like that. Ooh, uh- and so I, fi- I try to follow people that inspire me.
3: Yeah.
2: And so if I'm constantly putting myself in positions to be inspired, then that's nurturing my soul. That's not tearing me apart. But if I sat here and watched the news, right, which is fear-based, or I sat here and watched E! Entertainment all day, which is comparison-based, yeah. I wouldn't my self-esteem would be different. But I choose not to do that. And if I say something negative about myself, I stop it immediately and go, that's not self-care. That's not what is healthy for you. And I stop it and I change that talk. I change the tape in my head. I can, I can go back to all those tapes where I felt shame or when I was bullied or when people weren't treating me nicely and I didn't feel worthy of their love. I can play that tape all day long, but all that does is cut my self-esteem. I'm not gonna play that tape anymore. And I also have a picture of myself as a baby in my bathroom and one in my living room. And every time I walk by that picture, I go, I'm gonna protect you. Hey. to yourself and you know what it works over time i look at that picture I'm like i am i went from i am going to protect you to i am protecting you that's awesome it's a shift
1: yeah yeah it's all about the mindset like we were saying earlier but you know, take it takes practice and i know we just touched on technology earlier but you know that's what a lot of people i don't feel like don't understand is that just because they're scrolling or mindlessly scrolling through instagram and they see somebody like kim Kardashian, it's like hey what value is that profile or whatever you want to say picture bringing into my life it's besides just you know comparisons of teeth of joys that exactly, exactly. and then the, and that's what starts all the, the the dark arts i guess we could say of the mind taking over and then yeah. you're going yeah that's going down what we've been talking about i don't want to go back in circles you know. You know. yeah but i mean because i've been through and i've actually went through my instagram followers too and just like you know what i don't need them in my i don't need this i don't need to get on here and just see yeah, whatever. So, but yeah, I I've wish a lot of, I guess what I'm trying to make my point is a lot of people need to start doing that.
2: Well, hopefully by this podcast and others that people will start to listen and start to take inventory, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Take an inventory. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, just I've never thought of it like that. But hey, take an inventory of yourself. But, but do um, it in
2: every area of your life, like relationally, work wise, uh, social media, every area of your life, take inventory.
1: Yeah. It's a good practice for sure. Great. I've never heard it said like that. Said like that, I guess. So, but it makes that makes sense to me. Yeah, good. So, um, good. I know we got a few minutes left here, and this I like to do a little. I've been kind of testing a little, like, would you rather questions.
3: Okay, I love it.
1: And it's nothing good. like wild and crazy and vulgar and stuff, but it's just okay. you know just a little sense to know you uh, a bit better. Um, okay, like we'll start off small here. Okay, here we go. Would you rather? Always have a full phone battery or a full tank of gas.
3: A full tank of gas. Uh
1: huh. That's what I would have said too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think you would have.
1: Yeah. No. Like I went to get groceries this morning, and I think gas was at three thirty. I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> like shit again. Like I remember when it was below three. Okay. I feel like that was an easy one. Okay. That was an easy one. Okay. I feel like this would be a good one for you. All right. I- would you rather be chronically underdressed or overdressed?
2: So that was difficult for me because <laughs> because because I went through chemo and I've had twenty three non elective surgeries and a lot of chemotherapy, I was always in like sweatpants, and it made me feel bad. Like I felt like I was the sick girl. So now when I'm dressed up, I feel better. Okay. and it's not it's not to be like, yeah so right now dressed up
1: yeah no i mean i love wearing you know i'm just wearing like a my jacket i wore running this morning some my gym pants but i mean because i love this lounge around and that stuff but when you put on a power suit power tie yes
3: you, you, feel good. On, I
1: love it. you know i go into a wedding, it's like mm. yeah Just walk in there with a new swag about yourself so <laughs> i don't know i had a tough i had a tough one with that too but i know i always get a big confidence boost and a big morale boost when i put on a power suit power palette
3: i agree yeah it's
1: not like the winds are not get that fat not going forgot for <laughs> guys aspect of it yeah I don't know what uh, girl doing, but that's my love that. i love that um let's see we'll give me a hard one okay I'll try. all right this might i don't know if this will be a hard one i had okay. the other day um would you rather all of humanity be able to breathe underwater fly or be able to communicate with aliens?
3: I kind of think fly.
1: Mm.
2: I don't know. I, I you know, I, I think it's because I live in Miami and there's so much traffic.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think if we just were flying, there would be so much traffic.
1: <laughs> well, no, I agree 100 percent with that. I mean, I mean my area is hardly no traffic at all at any times. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I think
2: I don't know if I want to talk to aliens though. It's so out there.
1: What do you mean? Like
3: I can't go there.
1: Well, you know, all that alien talk that was happening during the pandemic, I guess it so is, but nobody cared, you know, when the government was supposed to release all that UFO stuff they had. And it's like, whatever happened? You know, I never heard anything more about it. Like, I thought, I thought that was gonna be big news and I never followed up either. But that's reason I was like, I'd like to know, you know, Independence Day, are they coming to? (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: (laughs) fantastic. When you find out, email me.
1: Okay, I will. I'll write write a note. But maybe one day. (laughs) <laughs> but also that I, th- I heard a statistic that we've only or we not i haven't done it but we uh humanity's only discovered like 10 percent of what's in the ocean i don't know if that's oh. right so I I
3: like, yeah
1: the water that might help but yeah let's see i don't know if i have a hard one for you <laughs> um i don't know would you all right okay this might be one Eh, it's a matter of opinion right. <laughs> <laughs> You're granted ability to time travel and visit your past self Oh. You can only you're only allowed to speak 10 words.
2: To your past self.
1: Yeah. What year do you go to? And what do you say?
2: Oh, I got this one. 1980. I will protect you. You are worthy. Ooh. God is great. I will. That's
3: 10.
1: 10 words. That was great. <laughs> I kept here thinking, like, man, what am I gonna say? I kept going over 10. <laughs> Your message is a lot better than mine that I had for that one. <laughs> I told myself I'd go back to high school and tell myself to invest in Bitcoin or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Goes back to
3: self-esteem.
1: Okay, Let's do one or two more and we'll take okay. home. Um, if you could have an endless supply of anything, what would it be?
2: A couple things. Um, emotional wealth, mm. One. one. That's great. Um, time with my children.
1: I agree.
3: Yeah.
1: I don't have any kids. I'm a single dad of two wiener dogs, but um yeah.
3: yeah,
1: one thing I've learned, like we talked about earlier, that you know, no amount of money ever bought another second of time. And I'm starting to learn that what I'm doing with my days, and there they are barking right there. Yeah. Uh, here- yeah. What I do with my days is like, hmm. Maybe I could have spent my time a little bit different, you know, rather than spending four hours on Netflix or something. Not that I do that all the time, but just I have, but yeah. Yeah. That wasn't my best choice. I love that. Yeah. but It's a great question. Yeah. I like that one, but I like emotional, what you said, Hmm. emotional Hmm. well-being. I always thought, I mean, I I instantly was thinking like food or something or what, but I'm not a foodie, so I don't know. Okay. Last one here, and we'll take this one home. Okay. Uh, would you rather have a song stuck be stuck in your head the rest of your life, or never to be able to hear music again?
2: Definitely a song stuck in my head. I I love music.
1: Oh yeah, what you jamming out to nowadays?
2: I my favorite band is Blue October.
1: I don't know if I know Blue.
2: You have to Google it. You <laughs> the guys from Houston. I I love it. And people ask me all the time, "What's your favorite band?" And I go, "Blue October," and they're like, "I don't know Blue October." Blue October is the one that said the song. One is oceans. One is um hate me it's it's a great band i actually think they
1: i'm looking them up right now
2: hate yeah. me yeah, it's one of their most popular songs that I, that doesn't represent like anything about me but i i do lo- i love their sound i hope you're happy there's a song called i hope you're happy it's one of my favorite songs
1: wow.
2: but after this interview you have to google I'm,
1: still, I'm making a note right now
2: blue october i hope you're happy and whenever you hear that song you have to re- remind yourself of me
1: Okay. <laughs> um I was listening to you ever you know who the spinners are?
2: I've heard of them, but I don't I know. they're a motor band, but
1: I went and saw a comedy show last night and the guy that I don't know if you know who Bert Kreiser is. Yeah. Okay. He was in Roanoke uh last night we went up and saw oh, him. Cool. But, uh he had a song called the Spinners and it was called uh Rubber Band Man, and it's like this old kind of catchy, funky rock vibe. And I've been listening to it. It's like when I I got a bad habit of when I really like a song, I keep it on repeat for things like yeah. and then I just stop. But
2: what was the song called? I'm gonna write down
1: down. Uh, rubber Band Man by the Spinners.
2: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that when we're done too. Cool.
1: You got your song. I got my song. Perfect. Um. All right. Wait. Wait. Follow up on this one, and then I'll let you get off here. So yeah. let's say you go over to uh, your significant other's house and their parents hand you the ox chord. What song do you put on first? Something by Blue October?
3: No.
2: <laughs> Probably something from um, Elevation Worship.
1: <laughs> hey, that's a good one.
2: Yeah, and I and I went to their concert. I love Elevation Worship, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I had trouble with that one, too. I was like, I have no clue. I mean, I was trying to think of something kind of fun to dance to or whatever, but. Yeah, I no well, I'm a,
2: I'm a different generation than you are. <laughs> you, you can put on like Drake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to put on elevation worship.
1: <laughs> I think you could put on Drake. It's just a matter of, well, was that great or not? But, <laughs> but I can't put Drake on. <laughs> oh I maybe. I mean, I'm just not saying you can, it might not be the best choice, but you could. But.
3: <laughs> pitbull. I could put a Pitbull on.
1: Just roll up. Do it. <laughs> he's a miami guy yeah i love Pitbull. i love his stuff i had this theory and i know we're kind of getting off topic of no no no,
2: that's okay
1: i had this theory that if you listen to uh that type of music you know like spanish music or whatever yeah. that you could actually try to learn the language that way and i actually tried going down that road and like because i would actually like listen to what they were saying and write it down and go to google translate or i also worked out with somebody who speaks spanish and i would ask him was "Like, hey am i saying this correctly and so
2: You have a thirst for learning. I love that about you.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, like I found out that, Hey, you know, I want to grow and stuff and that's the way you do it. Is that you you ask questions and you do things that you get out of your comfort zone and you just good for you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like earlier that it took a while to learn that, to learn that part of it, but yeah, it was like, Hey, I like this, you know?
2: Yeah. I can't wait to watch you soar.
1: It's fun. But yeah, amazing, fly, baby. exciting. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, OK, let's take this home. Um, I don't want to don't want to be respectful of your time. So if anybody wants to find out more about you, find your book, uh, find your Instagram, if you want to give out all that good stuff. How do they do that?
2: Well, my website is Christine dot com. If anybody goes to websites anymore um, and I'm Christine Handy one on Instagram. And if you could just Google Christine Handy, a bunch of stuff comes out. Easy. Even chemo pictures.
0: <laughs>
2: anyway, thank you for having me. This was fun.
1: I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad you came on, and I enjoyed talking to you as well. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we uh, call it?
2: Um, I think one of the things that I continue, what continues to inspire me, is whenever I'm able to surrender in my life. Like sometimes we are so in, we try to control so much. It's it's fruitless. It doesn't help. Just surrender.
1: Just surrender. Hmm, write that down too. <laughs> I like to write little notes down with each on I guess, I remember. So all right. All. Cool. This was great. Again, I really appreciate you, and it was great meeting you and doing all this. Thank awesome. Good. Okay, folks, we're out of here. Be good to yourselves. She
3: walks away.